podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by Carl Catling Media. Welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the ice hockey podcast for Chelmsford Chieftains fans. Well, it's done. The league season is over for the Chieftains and what a way to finish it with a four-point weekend. We await the final weekend next week to finalise our position in the table and opponent for the upcoming playoff quarterfinals as now the championship weekend has been confirmed as Easter Sunday the 9th and Monday the 10th of April at Planet Ice Milton Keynes. So we look forward to finding out who will be joining the showpiece this year. Uh, Guests this week uh, on episode 22, I finally have Chieftains legend James Ayling for you. Um, Been a sort of bit twos and fro's of trying to get James on, and then even in this episode, just some technical difficulties alone, uh, sort of getting us to get this chat, but we do have it. Uh, I've also got GB under 18, Cardiff and Swindon player Amelia Williams. Uh, So I had a good chat with her. Uh, she's the last of a trio of GB under 18 ladies that we've had on the podcast. Uh, and I also had a short catch up with Ruben Terry and Jack Peachy Williams after training last week. It's been on YouTube for a few days, but we'll have a listen here as well. So this weekend for the Chieftains was a visit to the Sapphire for the final Essex Derby of the season against the Raiders Junior. And a Sunday sellout for the visit of the champions, the Stretton Redhawks. But let's start on the Saturday night at the Sapphire. Charity night for the Raiders fans Saturday night as they were raising funds for Avia and Ellis who are both battling, battling cancer. So best of luck to the whole club in their fundraising endeavours. A competitive start to the game as always in the Real Essex Derby and first blood went to the visitors as Chieftains went ahead on 9-19 when Matty Turner assisted Ollie Bulldog to score the first of the game. Raiders nearly got level when Long dinged the bar and the puck left the ice. And Grant Bartlett had a good chance, but Sonny Phillips stood strong. Towards the end of the period, another former Chieftain, Leo Markey, took a penalty for the home side. And on the power play, Cam Bartlett extended the Chieftain's lead, much to the light of the travelling fans. End of the first was 2-0. Chances galore at the start of the second, and the iron was taking some punishment at both ends. And Cam Bartlett took a trip to the box, and the Chieftains returned to full strength when the Bartlett's combined to release Matt Turner, who put the Chiefs into a 3-0 lead on 26-02. As we ticked over the 35-minute mark, the Raiders took control and in quite an astonishing way. 
On 35.04, Pascal shot from the blue line that went in off the pipes for 3-1. On 36.27, Courtney Grant scored an opportunistic goal coming from behind the goal to shoot in off Luca Tassadri for 3-2. And on 37.42, the comeback was complete for the home side as Dunnage equalised for three goals in one minute and 38 at the end of the second. 3-3, it went in. The Raiders had a, still had two minutes of a five-minute power play after Cam Bartlett got a major penalty. And George Gell, just into the third, got a two-minute penalty for slashing, giving the home side a short session of five on three, but the Chieftains held on. Chances and penalties exchanged, but with eight minutes to go, Chieftains broke away from a defensive face-off and Cam Bartlett smashed high for 4-3. Dan Fay nearly put the game to bed, but Sonny Phillips pulled out one of those saves that we used to celebrate. And with 1.17 to play, the Raiders used their timeout shortly after Phillips was pulled. And with just 13 seconds left, Ollie Baldock got his second of the game with an empty netter. Essex is black and gold again. Man of the match for the home side was Stevie Dunnage and Luca Tassadri took it for the Chieftains. And we were all set for the visit of the champions to the sold out Riverside. The Riverside was absolutely rocking with the champions in town. Slightly short benched and no doubt in celebration mode, but looking ready for the fight regardless. Always a tasty fixture between the Red Hawks and the Chieftains, and it got off to a very tasty start very, very quickly. As from the very first face-off, Stretton pushed into the Chieftains' defensive zone, and when Luca Tassadri pushed the puck to Ethan Reid, he released Grant Bartlett down the Chieftains' right, who swooped in from the circle across the crease to dangle a finished top shelf past the nets with just 13 seconds on the clock. The whole barn was shaking. Stretton worked their usual play and were pinning the Chieftains in for long periods, but when the home side next forced play into their offensive zone, great work from Cam Bartlett and new daddy to Oliver James Pentecost worked the puck to Grant Bartlett, who smashed high from the edge of the left circle, a howitzer top bins across the bamboozled Stretton netminder on 321. Stretton continued to control possession of the puck and were forcing some incredible saves from Lucas Tassadri in the Chiefs' goal for the second time this weekend. And on 10.55, a shot from the blue line by Jack Hopps was tipped in close range by Thomas Beasley and the champions appeared to get their claws back into the game. In trying to force an equaliser, Stretton gifted chumps for three power plays when Skokan, Miles and Inglesby went to the box on separate occasions for holding, roughing and slashing respectively. The first, however, finished 2-1. The Chieftains again started the period very well, although both teams looked as likely to get the next goal, which you felt in the air was going to be crucial. It came for the home side when James Pentecost broke from the neutral zone down the attacking left and slipped the puck across the crease where Cam Bartlett arrived on time to tip it home for 3-1 on 24-09. The board showed a penalty for the visitors, but that bore no fruit and we restarted 5-5. The rest of the period passed without too much incident, but the performance from Luca Tassadri in the pipes appeared to be getting getting to the Red Hawks as he was in sparkling form. After a Streatham attack broke down nearing the end of the second, Cam Bartlett picked up the puck behind his his own goal line and sourced an absolute pearl of a pass across the neutral zone, right onto the blue line where Grant Bartlett sprung the offside, killed the puck beautifully and rifled it home for his hat-trick making it 43 goals for the season on 38-48. The second finished 
Luka Tassadri stopping all 29 attempts on his goal in that period. Into the third and again Chieftain started the strongest and extended their lead to 5-1 on 41-16 when George Gell's shot was blocked but TJ Fillery swept up the rebound. Halfway through the period Stretton pulled another back when Bailey's shot from the blue line hit Tassadri in the breadbasket but trickled through and crossed the line for 5-2 at 50-12. However, straight from that restart, Grant Bartlett, assisted by Cam, smashed home high past the nets, and the home side led 6-2. The scoring was finished soon after, when a shot from Dan Fay was blocked away, and on the spin, Casey Wilson picked up the puck and swept it through the five-hole in one movement to give the Chieftains a memorable win and incredible end to the league season. Man of the match for the visitors went to Thomas Beasley, Luca Tassadri taking his second man of the match of the weekend. What a player that young man is. Other results in the NIHL 1 South this weekend. On the Saturday, the Solent Devils took a trip down to Planet Ice in Gillingham, taking a 3-2 victory at Invicta Dynamos. On the Sunday, in addition to the Chelmsford Chieftains beating the Stretton Redhawks 7-2, Invicta got themselves a win at Oxford City Stars, 8-5 in the end. What a cracking game that was. And the Raiders got themselves a win at Milton Keynes Thunder, 5-2 to the Raiders at the Thunderdome. Uh, The Warriors this weekend in the uh, NIHL 2 had an unfortunate 6-0 loss at home to Peterborough after a tighter game last weekend going to a shootout. It was 6-0 to Peterborough this time around. Uh, into the academy then, and the under-16s Tomahawks went up to the Ozone for a three-on-three tournament and came out winners, winning the final 3-2 against the Ozone home team. Fantastic for them. And the under-16s Rattlesnakes, they beat Swindon Top Kittens by 7-2. to Absolutely fantastic stuff in the academy there. Right, so now we're going to get to our first guest then. This, uh, this young lady plays for Cardiff, she plays for Swindon. Uh, she wasn't, however, in that team that played at Chelmsford this weekend. Uh, and she also plays for Great Britain Under-18s. She is sponsored by Carl Catling Media, who is nice enough to sponsor this episode as well. This is Amelia Williams. Amelia Williams, how are you doing this evening? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm really, really well. Thanks for joining me. Unfortunately, technology has left us in the hands of just doing this via audio rather than video. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure we will get by. Uh, so how did you get into hockey? You're 15 years old now. When did you start and what got you into it? Um, well, I started when I was about seven or eight. Um, none of my family does hockey or anything like that, but... Um, I tried every other sport and it just wasn't my cup of tea. So um, my dad kind of um, told me and my brother we should start ice skating. So um, we did a couple of lessons of learning to skate. He got me a pair of figure skates and my brother a pair of hockey skates. And then when we passed, uh, like, learning to skate, um, he asked us what we wanted to do, either ice hockey or figure skating. And I didn't know what ice hockey was. Um, but my brother just decided to join it and I thought it would be fun. So um, I decided to join as well. So I was playing for a year in um, in figure skates until my dad got me new ones. Oh, wow. That must have been tricky. <laughs> yeah. So were you local to a rink then? 
Oh yeah, we live about 15 minutes from the rink. We were in the the old Planet Ice tent until they um, got the new one ready. So um, I did a year in the tent and then we moved to the big one, which isn't far away. <clears throat> Are you Welsh then by, by ancestry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't sound very Welsh. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm around too many English people. (laughs) (laughs) Where in the accent off? Um, I'm not really sure. Just everyone, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. So, yeah, playing for a year in figure skates. God, that must have been really tricky. Does your brother still play? Um, Well, yeah, my younger one does. Um, My other one doesn't. He quit to do football. But um, my younger one plays under-12s for Cardiff. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So what um what age were you when you actually got into the team? Um, I think I was about eight or nine. Oh wow! So you really didn't have that much experience in it then before you started. Yeah, none at all. In the team, so I take you. Do you still play with boys now at fifteen? Yeah, I still play um Cardiff under sixteens and sometimes under eighteens as well. Excellent. So who who do you represent at the moment then for for ladies teams? Um, Swindon. Um, Swindon top cats with Lily and Abby, um, the Swindon kittens, which is the under sixteen girls team, and then GB. And GB, that's fantastic. Plenty of hockey for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is your favourite thing about playing ice hockey? Um, I think it's just I don't. I'm not really sure. I just find it really fun, and um, you never know what's going to happen. It's just. Um, I make a lot of friends as well, and I love everyone I play with. It's just really entertaining for me. I think it's kind of stuck with me more than any sport has. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's very good. And what about the worst thing? Um, I'm not really sure. Kind of just like playing with people that I don't really get along with. <laughs> There's got to be a fair bit of travelling from where you are as well. Yeah, a lot. There is... Um, Cardiff is obviously the only team in Wales, so we have to play a bunch of teams from England, which is quite far, but I get used to it now and again. Sometimes a three-hour car journey feels like an hour to me. So, Did you play this weekend? Um, yeah, I played with the under-16A boys um, against Slough Home. We kind of lost, but it was a really close game. So, oh, so you kind of lost, so... Explain that yeah. one. <laughs> well, we beat them before in Slough and then um, we kind of have our good and our bad games. We'll have a good game and then the next game will be kind of bad. And the game before Slough was Romford, which we won 6-2. But then um, we played Slough at home and we lost 3-2, which was kind of unfortunate, but we just have to move on. That's a tight game, isn't it? 3-2. Yeah. So have you managed to play in Chelmsford this season? Yeah, I've played a game for the under-16 boys there. Um, and I think I was meant to play with Swindon under-16 girls as well, but I had a clash with another game. But I don't think I'm going to play there again this season. No, I think that was weekend just gone, I believe, wasn't it, actually? Yeah, I couldn't make it. <laughs> so, oh, they, well, they definitely missed you. I think Chelsea would run out 4-3 winners. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. but... <laughs> Oh, well, I, I'm going to play the next one against Haringey, so that'll yeah. be good, hopefully. Will that be away, will it? Um, this, this one's home, so oh. that's really good. So of all the places that you've played over around the country, then, have you got a favourite rink? 
Um, I have to say Nottingham. Yeah, the, the, the big of. arena one. Or the, yeah. Yeah. Have you had much experience playing in there? Um, I played the first time I properly played in there was for the Global Girls. You know that that little game. Yeah. For girls, we did that um, in the rink. And I think there was a Panthers game before that as well. So a couple of the fans stayed and watched and it was um it was really good. Oh, excellent. Have you got a particular game that you've enjoyed the most, somewhere where you've had a, a big effect? I know you're you're a D, aren't you? So you probably don't have that many goals in your memory. Yeah. Um <laughs> the only team I'll score in is Swindon. I don't score in boys. I sometimes get assists, but that's the most I'll get. Um I think the Swindon game um, against Sheffield was really good. I didn't score any, but I just feel like I played um, really good, which I haven't really done in a while, in my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah, it was really good for me. Lily Endicott got a lot of goals. But, um, yeah, it was just a really good game for me anyway. So, at 15, then, representing GB under-18s, have you represented international at any other age groups? Um, I played... Under 16s GB, um, we played three games against Norway, um, and I got captain of that team, which was very exciting for me because that was the first team I've ever captained properly. So um, yeah, I think we f- we played really well against Norway. We knew they were going to be a hard team, but the girls just kept um, fighting and they didn't give up, which was kind of stuck out for me. So um, yeah. Oh, that's that's brilliant, especially it's like getting the getting the C. Yeah. Uh, does does Wales have a national team? Um, no, unfortunately not. There's only two teams in Wales at the moment: um, Cardiff and Deeside, and Deeside's all the way up north, so mm. we can't really play each other. Oh no, that's that's a shame. But at least you're getting that, that experience with GB. Yeah, definitely. The the first time you went went away with GB, how did you find that experience? Um, it was really exciting. I don't. I when we went to Poland for Four Nations, I think that was the first time I went away with GB, and that's the first time I've ever went away with any international team. So um, it was really good. The girls made me feel welcome, and um, obviously I was really nervous because it was my first time playing for GB properly. So um, yeah, but it was just really good. I enjoyed it very much. Do, do you normally room with the same person? Um, I think I roomed with Kayla Paul twice and um, we roomed together for the Worlds and Four Nations as well. So, yeah, I really like rooming with her. Yeah, I did speak to two lads from the Chelmsford Academy this week that went to the Quebec Peewee tournament this year for England. Um, And yeah, at at that age, 12, 13 and getting to go away and room with your mates, it must be um, like that first little slice of independence. Yeah, it was really fun. (laughs) Uh, and you're off to Slovakia in April, I understand. Oh, yeah. I'm going away for a week to play um, a tournament for them. So just to, like, kind of gel with the team for the new season. Is that is that with GB or with Cardiff? Um, that's just with myself. Oh, right. Like a hockey camp? Um, no. So I might be going there next season. Um, and my coach has allowed me to come over in April to do a tournament um, to just kind of see how the team is and how um, it will be when I go there. And I did it last year as well, and it was really good. And that's kind of um, caused me to go back. Yeah. It's really good over there. So you, you fancy your chances of playing in Europe? 
Yeah, um, I'm hoping I do go next season, but I'm just going to see how it goes in April. Yeah. Would you do education out there as well? So would you do like college? Um, so it's my last year now and I wanted to finish my GCSEs before um, thinking of going anywhere. So my mum said that if I do go, I can have a year off and then kind of decide what I want to do then. Oh, well, that's, that's not too bad then, is it? So yeah. I suppose, yeah, starting off college in a foreign country whilst trying to play hockey in a foreign country as well. It's uh, Yeah, it's and obviously I, I, I speak Welsh as well. So all my education's in Welsh. And if I do online school, it will have to be in English, which will be very confusing for me yeah. since I've learned everything in a different language. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Do, do, do you find any other girls in the GB that can speak Welsh as well? Um, <laughs> the only Welsh people in GB right now is... Um, me, Ellen Reese, and Jess Jones, and they both can't speak Welsh, so I think I'm the only <laughs> one who can. <laughs> oh dear, sir. What advice would you give to a young lady that would like to start playing ice hockey? Just do it. Don't be scared. Um, just don't be scared of all the boys. Just kind of gel with them, and you'll be fine. You'll be really, you'll be really good. And do it in hockey skates, not figure skates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do that. <laughs> So uh, through your time playing with Cardiff and Swindon and obviously representing GB, you've managed to get yourself a sponsor in Carl Catling Media, who's also sponsoring the episode that you and, and your compatriots have been on. Yeah. Uh, so how did that come about with Carl sponsoring you? Um, I think I seen him sponsoring um, Abby Minter and um, Aaron Roche and Lily. And um, I've been kind of following up on him on Instagram and Facebook. And then my mum kind of um text him asking if he was looking for another person to sponsor and he said yeah so he just kind of started to sponsor me from there excellent and is that, is that with uh equipment sort of sticks and skates and whatnot yeah yeah um sticks and other equipment as well yeah because it's an expensive game isn't it it's, uh... yeah very expensive yeah i think it, another bit of advice probably to any young one trying to play if you save all your pocket money because yeah. you're certainly going to need it. <laughs> so how have you, how's this season been for you then? Do you think it's, uh, have you sort of felt a progression in yourself and your teammates? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, ever since my boys' teams moved up to Div 1, we've kind of had a lot of competition with better teams. So um, it's been pushing me and pushing me and I find that I've gotten better, especially with GB. Like my hockey brain's gotten so much smarter and I've learnt new skills and I've just become a better player in general. Yeah, I think you do need that challenge, don't you, to push you on. That's, yeah. And that's something I think that the women's game is getting now. And I think it's becoming not only popular with the, the young ladies that play it, but popular with people actually wanting to watch it because the skill level is is getting there, isn't it? It's getting a lot higher. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, with, I mean, with the women's hockey I've watched, I watched a little bit of the um, of the youth teams. And then we've got two ladies teams in Chelmsford that because it's not, quite as fast and quite as physical as the men you can really appreciate the skill level yeah yeah control of the puck and the passing tape to tape and yeah it's really exciting and as i've said to to abby and uh, lily when they've been on as well um i really think that the gb ladies have got a real shot for the next winter olympics oh yeah definitely i really hope so it'll be very nice to see them get there is that an ambition for you playing in the olympics gb Oh, yeah, of course. I've been thinking of it since I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always been there in the back of your mind. Yeah, definitely. 
But how about for the rest of the season then? What's your ambitions for this? Are you anywhere close to playoffs? Um, with Swindon Top Cats, yes. Um, I think we're third or second in the league right now. And you need to be um, top four to go to playoffs. So I think we'll have a good chance if we keep playing like we are. Um, and yeah, considering we just moved up from um, the league below us as well, to get to playoffs is a pretty good achievement for us, especially because we're all so young. And um, yeah, but with Cardiff boys, I don't think we are. No. <laughs> no. No, but uh, well, you'll get a little bit of post-season action and then, of course, off to Slovakia in April. Yeah. So, yeah, fantastic for you. Amelia, thank you so much for joining me on Zero Pucks Given. It's been really interesting to hear about your journey through your hockey career. Yeah. Uh, and I'd you. like to wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. And for your endeavours with Great Britain as well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Amelia Williams, thank you very much. Bye. A huge thank you to Amelia Williams for joining me on the podcast. Really great to hear from these young ladies and how they are progressing in the game. And a huge thank you to Carl Catling Media for sponsoring the episode that his sponsored athletes are appearing on. Uh, now it is time for Hit of the Week. Hit. Hit of the week this week then. There was a few from the home game against Stretton particularly. That's where we're going to take this one from. Uh, always a bit of a feisty game against them. But this one came in the first period uh, as Chieftains were getting on top of the game. Stretton were trying to force their way back in. And it was Thomas Beasley who found himself with the puck at his feet and his head down. And when he looked up, there was Grant Bartlett. Bang. Hit of the week, Grant Bartlett. Hit of the week then, Grant Bartlett, brilliant stuff. Uh, right, just before we get to the final guest of the evening that we've finally got James Ailing on the show, uh, we're going to have a little listen to the chat I had with Ruben Terry and Jack Peachy Williams talking about their trip to Quebec. I will apologise for the sound quality. There was three of us, I only had two microphones, so I gave them to the lads so you can hear them, but you can't really hear me, but I'm sure you've all had enough of me anyway. This is my chat with Ruben and Jack. After this. Good, it was really good, really fun, yeah. Yeah, really enjoyed it. It's totally different out there to what it is here. Yeah. Yeah. Different yeah, game. Like Eighteen thousand seats. Yeah. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah. Yeah. Probably about two uh, years. Yeah, probably now. about two years. Yeah. So when you got out there, what was the experience like? sort of well, I lived with the other goalie, and that was good because we uh, we play in different leagues, so it's kind of a bit of a bonding experience. And living with different families really like opened up to like the Canada like experience. Uh, I stayed with uh, a billet called Louis and Chantel, and they were really good to us and like gave us a good taste of what it is like out there. It's a lot different and. Quite quite chilly. I was just saying, yeah, that's yeah. Quite chilly. yeah. But it's nicer snow out there than it is here. Yeah. 
but they can deal with it properly as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So how was the experience in the arenas out there then? Was the, the crowd quite loud? Yeah. Yeah. Did you put any extra pressure from that? Yeah. I did like the first game. And then, like, we played a couple more games in them, and then I kind of got the feel for it. Yeah. It was wicked. Uh, having all, like, the, the big screen and stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Middle, like, yeah. Uh, and we saw a few of your goals put up on the jungle as well. That must have been yeah. Cool. That, was, uh, that was quite cool to watch. Yeah. yeah. Have you got a particular favourite moment, both of you, from the uh, I think my favourite moment was just when I scored when I scored the goal to tie our game to Switzerland. Yes. Yeah. Uh, probably like one of my saves. Probably the one where I came, somebody came down on a breakaway and it came off the top of my stick. That was pretty cool. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it just came off the little top of it. So, being in the Chelsea Academy, are you both fans? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get up here and watch them as when you can? When I can. Yeah, I watched oh. them last weekend. Yeah, same. Yeah. We are both here. Uh, have you got a favourite player? Uh... Not really. No. Probably Luca. Yeah, a little bit of inspiration for your Yeah, I train with him, so. Oh, do you? Yeah. Uh, is that your first ambition then to get through the academy here in Pokemon Chickens? Uh, yeah. And then onwards after that? Hopefully. Yeah? Yeah. Anything back to Europe or back to Canada? Uh, hopefully back to Canada. Yeah, hopefully. It's taken you both in, is it? Yeah. yeah. Did you have a Tim Hortons on your right there? No, yeah. We didn't. <laughs> I did. I had two. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining me, lads. Really, really glad to meet you. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Great stuff from the lads there. Really appreciate them spending a little bit of time with me after training, uh, especially as Ruben was jumping straight back on with the older age group as well. So, uh, lovely to go to training actually and see these guys and, uh, and how well they're all doing. That's uh, that's definitely two lads that we should watch with some interest as they go through their hockey careers. And hopefully, we'll get a bit more of them as they do so thank you very much to them uh, so you can find that that chat on youtube as well unfortunately none of today's chats in the podcast will be on youtube there's a technology issue but i'm sure i'll overcome that um so let's get on with it now i've waited so long you've waited so long he's finally james Daly, how are you doing this evening fella hello mate how are you i'm really really well thank you so much for joining me it's been a long time coming and a lot of uh shifting and mucking about but we've got you here finally yeah thank you for um your patience and apologies I've sort of failed a few times but um but yeah it's good good to good to chat man yeah good good, for, for myself and the chieftains fans you sir are worth the wait <laughs> i'm i'm gonna disappoint that's for sure <laughs> so, <laughs> massive massive career with the chieftains for you um where did it all start with ice hockey and, and Chelmsford in particular? Oh, goodness. Uh, many moons ago, yeah. It was, um, I was, I was, I would say I was about seven. Um, and I was a very, very unhealthy, very um, uh, run to the litter kid in the sense that I was, uh, I was overweight. I was, uh, I had very bad asthma. I had um, bad legs, bad pigeon chested, and all these kind of problems. But my asthma was the main thing. And um, I went down to the. I was on like a nebulizer, like a uh, asthma machine. Um, 
and my mum, the doctor basically said to go down and watch, uh, go down to the ice rink because because uh, the hay fever, especially in the summer, was just horrendous, and I, I was literally just couldn't breathe. And she said the the ice rink, will, the cold air will be good, and no pollen will be in there, and um, it will help with his asthma. So I went down there and then just started sort of sitting there and I and sitting in the in the stands, and then I started skating there. But I was a terrible, terrible, horrendous skater. Like I was really bad. I was just, I was not, I was the most aesthetic, athletic person you've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I had a very good teacher in Patrick and he, he took me from, yeah, I had a good coach in Patrick. He was a, I don't know if he's still down there, but he was, he was a sort of Riverside legend. And then, yeah. So then, um, one sort of session that was, uh, and I, a young ice hockey team, the Mini Chieftains, playing. And then uh, I sort of uh, borrowed some kit, went on, uh, and then started from there. And then was sort of mascot for the Chieftains in the, oh God, I want to say late 90s, but it probably was late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and then, yeah, sort of stayed with Chelmsford from then and worked my way up. All, all the way up from Academy to the Chieftains. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. God, that's a long, yeah, every year, every year. To, 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 yeah, it was like under 10s, under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s, and then Chiefs. Yeah, I was too lazy to go anywhere else as well. <laughs> Were you number 91 all the way through? Is that your birth year? No, I'm 92 actually, but um, I'm 92 born, but uh, I was 16 up until uh, up until Chieftains, first year of Chieftains, and then they had a, a chap who was 16, so I. Um, switched them around so so it was upside down so it was 91 um yeah yeah, that's the best way that came from but (laughs) it was it was taken quite quickly actually after after you retired casey wilson come over and uh and he's wearing yeah i saw yeah yeah i was gonna say it's that you've got a good you've got to understand in this game there's always someone better younger um that's going to come in and take your spot and your shirt. So, the way it goes. <laughs> I mean, it must be really hard to try and pinpoint one. But from all of that time, have you got a favourite moment as a chieftain? Do I have a favourite? Um, because it was a successful I mean, period, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, there's been sort of phases, obviously, like my first years with. Dean Burrell and Wendell sort of first took on the, the Chieftains and there was a whole kind of re the leagues had changed and um, there's a whole kind of re-juggling of everything and it was a good first few years and I think we were all kind of uh, although me and sort of Breezy and a few other players were younger there was the average age was early 20s which I'm sure it is now um, and uh, and then we kind of obviously went into the years of of Gary Clark, which the team was a bit older, it was, uh, and we were a, a really sort of slick um, team in in well drilled and everything else. Um, had a lot of experience. Clarky, you know, run run the ship like you know, so crazy organised, and um, that we had a, obviously great success. But I do, I, I love the younger years because we were all kind of young, had no um, responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> we was, uh, you know, we was out in Chelmsford every night trying to, you know, two for one drinks and stuff. And they, they were good. They were really good times. Um, 
and yeah, I think that there was a real kind of winning mentality and a real uh, sort of homegrown mentality of the players we had in Turner and Browner and, you know, we had a few imports, but everyone was real local, local and young. Um, but yeah, yeah, the triple was good, obviously with Clarky as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was, that was really good. I mean, I, I, I love some of the time. Some of the trips we've had, really, we've had, you know, when I was younger, we used to do trips to Isle of Wight and stuff. And um, I remember we we beat. There was a there was a year there was a year with uh, where we were sponsored by. Uh, I want to say it was Bar Forty One, but um, Jeff Wilkinson used to sponsor us through his bar. It was either Bar Forty One or JB's. I can't remember, but we used to have like crazy sort of end of seat with end of year parties and when we won the league we used to have these lock-ins and stuff and it was just crazy looking back on it i was like i couldn't believe i couldn't believe we did it you know um but yeah yeah i'm getting flashbacks now <laughs> so i mean as you're obviously no, going, as you're getting older and going through the career and as you say then getting more responsibilities was it difficult to manage your time as an ice hockey player yeah, I mean, same with anything, isn't it, really? As soon as you, uh, you know, as soon as you have something else going on, hockey kind of takes a back seat. Um, you know, when you're younger and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to play, uh, to, to, to play with some good players and stuff. But when, when you kind of get older and you've got a lot of stuff going on, it's harder, it takes up a lot of your time. Um and, you know, you can't recover as quickly as well. You know, Monday mornings, they they hurt. <laughs> yeah, know? after and, double uh, weekend. Yeah, yeah, literally, which, you know, when you were younger, I mean, I used to play, you know, two games. I used to sort of 16s, 18s and then cheapens in one day and, um, you know, be up at, be up for school the next day, you know. It's, uh, but, yeah, like I say, it's, it becomes very difficult to manage it. That's obviously part of the reason why I, um, had to had to sort of hang him up for a well, hang him up because it was um, you know it's not having a having kids and stuff it's you know they you got to give them your time yeah um, hockey takes so you, up a lot of time obviously I know the fans yeah. and stuff they you know you see that but yeah so I mean you retired at the end of last season uh, as a playoff mm. runner up. Um, there was five of mm. you that retired that year. It's only you and Browner that haven't actually come back. Oh, goodness, really? Yeah, because uh, Turner's come back as a bit of injury cover uh, for the Chiefs. Yeah. Munsey's playing up in Billingham. Um, Smithy's playing with Milton Keynes Thunder at the moment. Oh. <laughs> really? so it's, just, it's just you and Browner that have stayed away. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, like hockey, hockey gets its cause on you, man, and it's it's you know, and I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, you know, it, yeah, it really gets its claws on you, and when you do something every day for your whole life, and you know, there's so many. Like I went when I, went, I came back to see the guys for um, that this shoot we did the other day, and it was uh, just to be in the change room again. Like it was just, you know, the atmosphere and um, especially in my industry, there's, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, what's the word? Not pretentiousness, but there's a lot of like, you know, you have to, yeah, I guess you can say pretentiousness. 
Yeah, like, it's just yeah. nice. Most yeah, it's men nice to be in the room. Would, would say, yeah, the change of room is yeah. what they miss more than anything when they stop. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, there's no, just, you know, there's no wet to hide in the change room. You know, there's guys, the, the players that you play with, and you, you know, a lot of the times um, you spend that, you, sp- you spend than you do with your own families. And, you know, you see them every day, you sit next to them, um, and you go, you go, ups and downs with them, long, long road trips with them. And they, you know, it's, it's one of those things that once it's gone, you kind of, you do miss that a little bit and you miss that outlet. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that um, Jules and Munzee and stuff are, are back playing because the itch, the itch, man, you get the itch and, you know, it all seems, it all seems too good. And, you know, I, I, when I look, look at all the players I know that have kind of retired, even down to like Clarkie and people like that, they always, find themselves back a little in some aspect but um when I, mean, I get tired walking upstairs now so alongside your hockey career has been a career in the film industry um and as well as being behind the camera you've made some pretty cool cameos have you, have you got a particular favorite out of any of those yeah i mean depends on <laughs> particular favorite uh i mean yeah, so like I did, um, yeah, so I kind of, when I was bouncing around when I was a bit younger, I did sort of dabble in a bit of acting and um, sort of uh, supporting artist work and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but um, which kind of led into into doing the production stuff. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just been a while since I've done anything. I've, I've worked on some good sets with some some good people, and you know, it's quite. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a favorite. Would say there's a favorite. You know, would say a favorite. No. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I've worked on a few sort of Disney films and things like that when I was when I was quite a bit younger. Yeah. Um, but, but no, no, nothing that you know stands out. I'm trying to think. Uh, think of some. Some, yeah, I had some. I had some strange ones, especially when I was acting. We did a few. We did a film. Um, it's where I met a lot of my 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 producing partner now. But uh, I did a film called Vampire Academy, which was a very strange experience. Um, it was. It cost thirty million pounds, and it had Gabriel burning and a few other sort of named actors and. I only, a few, I only had a few lines in it, but it it was uh, they basically sort of pitched it as the next Twilight, and you know they put, do your hair funny and the makeup and stuff. But I, I, that was kind of quite an intense one. And then when I went to see it, 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 you know, a lot of the stuff I'd done had been cut out, and um, the film ended up losing thirty million. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I never, never that. I remember the, the producers saying, "No, this is going to change your life and everything else." And it was, in the, you know, as with a lot. And I think, you know, your life kind of takes on a takes on its own path, doesn't it? And takes yeah. where you need to go. And I think, you know. but I mean, as you say, there with a couple of Disney films that you were involved with, and and again, we'll, we'll sort of link it back to hockey. I've actually, hopefully, at the end, towards the end of this month. I've got Matt Doherty coming on the podcast who played Averman in the original Mighty Ducks films. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> I'm looking, so yeah. excited for that. Really looking forward to it. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, God, those films are just absolutely cracking, aren't they? Just they oh, fuck the whole generation on yeah it's something that i've yeah. said on other episodes to speak to other people that it's now down to the the kids of, of britain to bring that level to the other kids of britain because i don't think we're going to get a global explosion like we got with the mm. mighty ducks in the mid 90s mm. yeah it, no definitely yeah yeah i'm very very excited to talk to matt but oh, so well if, done mate that's, that's wicked it's a wicked guest yeah i just hope i can get the technology to work that, that we've failed with this evening <laughs> oh, that's oh yeah. I'm sure you work it out, especially you know. Well, I guess he's in America, isn't he? So it'll be. He is, yeah, and I think he's um, sort of middle, so I'm going to have to stay up quite late. Oh goodness! Oh yeah. Hopefully the you know. But definitely So being behind the camera, you've uh, now wrapped filming on the Enforcer, the short film written by Frankie Savini, uh, Sabini, sorry, and directed by your good self. Did it all go to plan? Oh well, they never go to plan. That's for <laughs> sure. They they never they never do. They you know, it, filmmaking for me is just is always just putting out fires. But um, but yeah, no, it did. It did go to plan. It, it it's um, yeah, it was a it was a tough one. It was a real tough one. It was it was a lot of variables and um, it was, the schedule was really tight. Um, but I've got a really sort of good crew that I've worked with sort of the last few years and, and um, we managed to put it together and I'm just currently editing it now, like piecing it together. Um, but it looks fantastic really. So I'm, I'm really happy with it, what, how the boys and girls are done. Yeah, I think, and it's certainly going to get a lot of backing from, from the UK ice hockey community as a whole, I would imagine, if not just from the Championship pockets. Yeah, I hope so. Obviously, obviously it's great that <clears throat> Dell and, and Cameron and um, Karen, everyone sort of let us use that, uh, you know, use the rink and stuff. And, you know, like they were really welcoming. And um, yeah, it was, it's kind of a strange project for me. It was, uh, it's a project that kind of I've been working on for a long time and it's kind of been in the back of my head for a long time in the sense of um, I've kind of seen these players throughout my life come in and out and it's um and I've always kind of seen seen their sort of journeys throughout the career and their career and how they've uh it's it's quite a tragic not all of them obviously but there's it's quite a tragic uh, there's quite a tragic um sort of theme that sort of recurring theme with a lot of them and um I think I've always found it's it to be quite interesting myself and found though these characters to be really interesting you know how these players can you know at one point be sort of NHL drafts or or playing American earning crazy money and you know find themselves eventually to to you know in the lower leagues because you know you got to think playing Chieftains my whole life I've had um every year pretty much we've had a new import or two new imports and uh they've it's it's interesting the stories and the, a lot of times they come in and out and they um they've been you know they're they might be at the towards the end of their careers and everything else um and yeah i just always felt like that was it was a story that that, that the, the the hockey world had never seen yeah because 
you know what I mean? And, that, uh, you know, for me, the, the hockey films that you see, obviously you've got Mighty Ducks and stuff, but the, the, the fighting elements is just films like Goon, which... Yeah, there's a lot of comedy elements to a lot of hockey films, isn't there? And, and I don't think that this is going to have that element, I think, and rightly so. Yeah, yeah, they, obviously there are some great, like, slap shot and, uh, yeah, like, Goon and everything else, but there's, um yeah, for, for me, like, I, yeah, I've, I've seen, the, I've played with these players, I know these players, and, and I've seen their kind of, I've seen them coming in and out, and obviously playing chumps in my whole life, I've seen so many faces coming in, and um, also, yeah, if you don't mind me just giving you a background of the film, it would yeah, no, by all means. So we had it from yeah. Frankie, but it's interesting to get it from you as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's so Frankie uh, obviously wrote it, and he, he did a great job as a first-time writer. He, um, I, I basically approached him because I know he, I knew he wanted to. We were making a, a project about uh, something else, and I knew he wanted to write, and I kind of mentioned it in passing to him, and then. Two weeks later, he gives me a script and I start reading it thinking, oh, I, you know, I wonder how this is going to be a first time writer. And um, I was reading it going, you know, it's just for me, it was fantastic. And I thought it exactly hit exactly the the themes and the points that I wanted to hit. To hit with, and and I, I, I felt like it could only have come from someone that had also played and been in that arena and that um in that sport, you know, whereas if I come to someone else and try to explain all the details and explain these people and then they would have, it would have taken them a long time if, and they probably would never have got it. So it was real, it, it was great for Frankie to do that. And yeah, so that's kind of where it came from. For me, I'd, I'd been looking to do a feature film for a, a while. I've made, I've made one before. It was a documentary that we sold to Amazon, but this one, it was uh, a scripted one that um, I had some interest from some partners that were kind of looking at us to see what the company was going to do next. And uh, I, have, I sort of had this idea to to do a hockey film, a British hockey film, and kind of they kind of looked at me crazy. These are the people that are at sort of Netflix and stuff. And they were a bit like, why would anyone watch that? Like I said, because it's a not unknown. And I'm like, you don't understand how it's not, it's not really a, it is a hockey film and it's 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 the setting in hockey but the the themes and the tones are universal like this player that comes in that um has played you know he, he's he's at the end of his career and he doesn't he has no other skills nothing else to do no other prospects of his life and he's done his whole he's spent his whole life and that's his identity is playing hockey and it's the it's kind of the uh, I don't want to say the sport turn its back on him, but it's 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 about identity and how he identifies and how um, he has to put on this persona of this protector and this tough player, which I've seen. And um, you know, as we, the themes are, are, are quite dark in the sense of, you know, obviously I'm sure you know about all the NHL enforcers that have um, sadly passed, and yeah, uh, you know, players like Andrew. Andre Payet and um, even like Wade Belak and you know there's there's a list as long as your arm and you know what's you know although I don't want this film to be a 
you know, hockey's given a lot to me and it's given and it's it's guided me in my life to a lot of great things and I've gained a lot from it. And I don't want it to ever bash the sport because it's not that, but I think there's a lot of what people don't see is how much you do give and how much especially these players that that are professional and that do give up their whole lives to it they don't they don't necessarily you know i watched i watched a few documentaries and it was all about these players now that you know they go and find them and however many of them are homeless living on the streets suffering with mental health suffering all these things and i remember i spoke to cornish about this uh concept years ago and he kind of said it's it's nothing to do with the head injuries it's to do with the education of of these players not having a prospect after their careers yeah i think that i've i felt this firsthand in the sense of just retiring and having a full-time job and a family i've felt a, a void and i felt like a you know i've lost a leg and i think that especially these players that are kind of that's they're, they're, they've played they've they've been brought up, especially these Canadians and Americans and wine Europeans, but they've been brought up in the systems over there and, and they all they know is to play hockey and they don't do a high level. And now they haven't got a financial education. They haven't got um, any other transferable skills or anything like that. And they can see, they, they find themselves bouncing around from team to team um, with no prospects. And that, you know, anyone with no, with no prospects and no stable future is, is a is at the risk of of issues and addiction and you know the, the biggest thing for me was there's I, I, I've the, in the research of these players especially the American Canadian players is that a lot of these players that did develop CTE the the disease that the film is based on it can't be it can't be diagnosed during during life it can only be diagnosed in a post mortem after they um, after they do an autopsy on the brain uh, yeah. to try to develop more tests to to help to to diagnose during life but these things these the the themes of these players were in these players lives is they're in their 20s and they're in their early 30s they start developing mood swings they start developing um uh poor judgment um you know, erratic behavior, all these things. And a lot of times they've got young families that, you know, they're trying to support by playing hockey, you know, by playing hockey in a lower league in the UK. Some, sometimes they have to go and get another job and things like that. And, you know, this is this is not just in the UK, this is in America as well. And uh, they go off the rails, you know, you look at players like Bob Probert and, uh, you know, a lot of players, there's a lot of players in America that, that played and it's yeah and and a lot of times the you know they end up leaving the, the families leave them they end up on the streets they end up you know in, in terrible places addiction and uh, a lot of them commit suicide and you know the biggest thing that I, I watched a whole documentary about it and spoke to a few of these players wives that are ex-wives and all and they've all donated their brains to science to see if they had this disease because they wanted to know that these players weren't um they weren't bad they weren't bad fathers they weren't bad husbands they were they were sick you know they what i mean sick, and, it, yeah. and that, they were sick and it, and 
um it was closure for the closure for the families and 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 so they can bring up the kids and say your dad wasn't a bad person he was he was sick and he you know and i'm, I'm not sure i'm not saying that hockey owes anything to anyone because it doesn't because you know it's everyone's choice to play it but yeah maybe maybe with more uh, of a focus on that side of things because at the moment there's not and obviously you can try you know they've, they've done things to try and take um contacts to the head out and things like that but i think an education on a lot of the because i've played my whole life and i there's so many times like up until only a few years ago concussions weren't a thing like they were they really weren't they were it was you know Gemma that Gemma does pre and post concussion tests on players now and, and i remember the first time i had one with her was only you know when she came in and i was like yeah. what we're we doing here and it, and it was like you know it was like I've, I, how many times have i been concussed in my life and i can tell you like i've been you know rattled so many times where i can't remember games and you know you need to be aware you, you know looking back as especially becoming a father you need to be aware of the the risks of that um but yeah it's not just about that it's not just about the the sport in that sense it's about the um losing your identity as a person and how that can affect your life and how your uh you there is sort of things that, you know there's a there, i know there's companies now i think game plan financial and stuff where they're trying to give players the education to uh, and, and prospects after they retire because it's a big blow to your ego man when you're you know suddenly you've got thousands of people cheering you on and then you know you're you're shifted out and, and shifted to another somewhere else and you have to go and work in a factory for minimum wage and play hockey at the weekends you know and uh, you know it's, it's it's tough yeah it Sorry, must mate. Be. i am rambling no no it's quite it's great it's so good to hear obviously i'm so looking forward to seeing this this short film is, is it right i was trying to remember now the conversation i had with frankie that if the short is a successful we'll get a feature length yeah so basically it was um so yeah i was approached to to do a feature for like uh we have some projects lined up um uh and i kind of want this as my sort of first scripted feature as a director and i uh i pitched the idea to uh these producers these and these financiers and distributors and they they basically said look you know i i've i've been working in the commercial realm mostly for the last 10 years and i've got a good they, they know i can they know my my company we can make really good stuff and um but you know it costs a lot of money to make a film and it's uh so we yeah we kind of the, when i pitched the idea as i said earlier the hockey film excuse me it was a. Uh, they were a bit they were a bit like oh i don't know if that's got a commercial value to it and then when i was explaining to them that the final hockey film the final script has i would say the feature has the short has one hockey scene on it and the and the feature has like three it's not about it's about hockey but hockey's the setting and it's the the characters that drive it and so yeah we we um yeah so i basically said to them look let me let me go and make let me go and make something so I got some money from uh, a 
a record label, funny enough, that was uh, that I've done a lot of work for, and they kind of wanted to sort of help it as well. So we sort of got the got some money together, and uh, and, the, and the investors and the producers basically said, look, if, you know, show us what show us what you mean. And once I put it on camera, once I saw it on camera, they kind of it all came together really. I, kinda, I knew it was there was something there. Yeah, you know, the actors, the actors that we had in it, uh, our actors the majority of them actors I've worked with before that are fantastic in Sinead Matthews who plays the main um so in the concept it's basically a uh it's an, a Canadian enforcer that's played his careers in his majority of his career in America and has come over to the UK um and towards the end of his career and he's, he's in his 40s and he's uh he's um yeah, his career's dwindling. He's, he's he's getting bounced around from team to team, and he's now at that point where, and he's got a family at home, a young family at home that he's trying to support and send money back to. Uh, and whereas once he was uh, a big sort of enforcer in in uh, we in the NHL, he's now a uh, he's now in sort of a semi-professional league and finding himself having to work uh, a labouring minimum wage job whilst living with a billet. Um, which, you know, while living with a billet, whilst uh, also finding himself dealing with the repercussions of getting getting bashed in the face a lot and, and the CTE. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the the setting and the, the, the yeah, the, the themes and, that we're dealing with. And um, it's, a, it's a culmination of like all the players I played with and, stories i've listened to and uh and everything else and it's kind of yeah like i say it was one of those things that you know the, the, so many stories that i've put together into this that from so many different players and you know like even down to obviously obviously for us playing for chieftains you know there's players that were drafts nhl drafts and stuff and a few players that played in the show that be living with a fan you know, and it's like it's quite, a sh or they'd have to be working a factory or working a building site, and it's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from them, but it's just, it's got, it's kind of a element, and then they're a hero at the weekend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it's an element. It's not really thought of, is it? No, it's not, and it's not, it's not. Um, I don't mean to sort of put a sadness or anything like that, but it's just, it's only more recently. I mean, to be honest, it was, it was like I said, it was a concept that I had uh, been sort of brewing up for a while and then I thought I do not really want to do something about it and I thought oh maybe maybe I'll finish this other project first and then that that evening was when we found out that Andre Pyatt had um had passed and so I was kind of like that this is there's something there and we went from there but yeah like to answer your question sorry but it's uh we yeah so the investors um have basically said we want to see well, we want to see something of this and if if it's as you know if it's good as we think we'll We'll, we'll green light it. So yeah. I'm editing and, a short now and to show them, but yeah. And the Jonas takes to the role quite well. He's, he's an actor I've been enjoying oh. things before. Yeah, fantastic. Do you, do you know what? Like, so to, to be honest, I I'd cast every single role. So Sinead plays the billet of, and, the, and, and um, you know, I'd, I'd cast it and I'd looked at, I had sort of, uh, I had a few actors that um, I was speaking to, I was speaking to Peter Mullen to play the coach, uh, and he ended up taking another show. And I, the coach was based on Dino, uh, and so I just approached Dino and said, "Do you want to, you know, do you want to 
play the coach and he went all right yeah i'll do it and then you know i had a whole i had a whole crew at the game uh, when they were playing slough and obviously i spoke to dino about it before everything else but um my crew didn't know he was my coach they thought he was an actor and they when he started doing the scene with jonas he and it was quite a it's quite a uh intense scene and my cinematographers and my all my crew were like isn't he's great and i was like yeah he's, he's not an actor and they were like no well, and then he, obviously he, was, he did it he smashed it and um and yeah like you know, for me it's, it's it's trying to mix that realm of reality and and you know the what when i watch well when i i try and create I, I think the audience with film with any film can can see anything that's in inauthentic you know and any inauthenticity in in performances or settings or anything else. So I think for me, the best films, TV shows are the ones that are really deep in their subject matter and with real people. And you can mix professional actors and and uh, and real people. And I think that with, with the culture of hockey, I know for me, watching this kind of film, if if there's anything that's not real. So like I, I was going to just get a load of extras and actors to play the hockey players and stuff in the changing room and things like that. But I just knew straight away you'd go, that's not our heart. That's not our hockey boys talk. Well, that's not how this happens. You know what I mean? So yeah. I really was, couldn't, I, I was, folk, we, we were focused and I said this to Frankie as well. We were focused on making sure that, that the setting and everything else. And was authentic. Uh, and the, yeah, it was. And, and yeah, and Jonas was, so we originally, I, I originally wanted a, a hockey player to play the, play it. Someone that had played hockey that understood the, the game and and everything else and so i i i i approached sean avery to to do it and he said yes to it and i had many long conversations with him about it um and he yeah we basically had the flights booked and he uh he had he wasn't able to make it he had another something come up that and we were kind of left up, up the creek with that so to speak and um uh, and I kind of was went to the drawing board and was looking around and Sinead had gone to RADA with Jonas, uh, who is a, a very, very, you know, established and fantastic actor in his own right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was kind of really struggling to find who who could, could you know, because I didn't want anyone that, I, I really wanted someone that, could, that had played the game. And there was only a very few amount of players that, had played that there was a Wyatt Russell who is Kurt Russell's son. There's a few players like that that I was approached and stuff. And um, but Jonas, yeah, Sinead just recommended Jonas, and I had a one phone call with him, and he just he, and he just got it. He he'd been involved in sport, he'd he'd been involved in boxing, and he knew it. And uh, then the first day of shooting he did he just smashed out of the park and i went oh and, then, and you know what looking back now i literally can't imagine anyone yeah, else playing that yeah no yeah and just uh just it was crazy because i was it was the one thing i was so hesitant about i was so concerned about this particular player and this and this person because the whole film they're in every scene it carried they carried in the whole thing and i auditioned so many people and just couldn't quite find it and jonas just turned up and and did his thing and it and it was just a massive relief and sigh of relief to to see him do it and to see and he knew and he had done his research you know i'd send him so much stuff 
about these players. I'd sent him all these documentaries and all these things, and he just had every detail nailed down. Uh, and he was an absolute. And he, you know, he. I mean, I'm sure you saw the the, the video of him fighting. I did, he, yeah. With the, I think it was with Kieran Rayner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was. Um, Crazy because obviously, uh, you know, I, I have his agent saying to me, so you know, he was starting. A, I want to say, I don't, I, he'll correct me on it, but uh, it was either an ITV or a BBC show. He was starting that two days after we wrapped, and his agent was just saying to me, Don't let him because originally we were just going to have a double doing all the on ice stuff because he can't skate. Yeah, so he we originally had a double sort of lined up and everything else, and then and then he, he got kicked up and just came on the ice with the spikes in his shoes and just went, he, he wanted to just do as much as he could and do his own stunt. And I went, are you sure? And I remember ju- ju- I just thinking, oh, God, if he if he breaks an ankle or gets a whack in the face, then his <laughs> agent's going to kill. His, his insurance aren't going to be able to cover that, that's for sure. Um, but Rainer gave him a good eye, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no. no he, they both gave it as good as they got. And I remember watching it going, gee, like that, that, this looks, I've just, I have, I've been editing that scene and it's just, you know, I said it was my main, you know, with, with him, with using doubles and things like that, it was my main concern with 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 making that look real. Yeah, it did um, look very real. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and like I say, we we you know we had a few hiccups in the sense, like a you know with the shirts and stuff and things like that. But uh, you know, for the proof of concept, it, it smashed out of the park. But yeah, yeah, yeah Jonas smashed it. Have we yeah. got a, a sort of a, a date in mind as to when that'll be available to people? Oh no, no! You sound like sound like my producer. <laughs> <laughs> when's it? When's it going to be done? Like, it's done when it's done. No, it's uh, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely going to be another month before it's ready. It's uh, for the short, you know. I yeah, so it'll be another month. It's a long process, and it's there's a lot of there's a, a lot of there's a lot of scenes and a lot of, sort of special effects and stuff and all kinds of sound design that needs to be done on it. So. Um, but yeah, hopefully, as soon as it's as soon as it's done, and you know, I can showcase it to the, the distributors and stuff, and then you know, I can by the end of the year, I'll we'll be shooting the feature. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. So, well, I've got a couple of questions yeah. that have come from the listeners because I put this out when you were you were first going to come on with with Frankie. Oh, good. Wicked. So, I got a couple. Of, Ollie Bennett has asked, "What's your funniest moment being with the team?" Oh, funniest moment. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a there's. Uh, we we've had a few we've had a good, few good. Uh, I remember I remember there's a, a couple of them involved Coxie. I don't know if you remember Coxie, but money uh, about four five. Cox. <laughs> Sorry. I'm only about four or five years deep with the Chiefs then, so I... Oh, yeah. So, you probably only just missed him, but Coxie was... So, there's the, so Coxie and Ramby were two of the funniest players we've played with, and, and Ramby... <laughs> yeah, Ramby was... Uh, he turned out to be an absolute beauty, and he's just... He's such a, you know, good guy, and he... But there's, he he's done a few... Um, he's done a... He's, he's played a few pranks, and and, a, and done a few things, but I remember the first. I, oh, so I remember uh, the first 
Oh yeah, just, uh, there's a couple. I remember there's a couple of moments. So one was Coxie when um, we was in the Isle of Wight, and he and he. I remember him walking. No, we was in uh, Swindon, and he he hadn't scored a goal all season, and I remember we wouldn't let him off the ice until he scored. <laughs> <laughs> and we had already won the league by this point. And I remember, he, I think he did like a 10-minute shift. Oh. Um, and he was just trying to get back to the bench and no one would let him off. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And I also remember that we had a, we did have a time in Isle of Wight where uh, we stayed over there. I remember we all got, we all got really drunk. And I remember uh, we was driving the minibus and uh, uh, I got, we was pulled up to a traffic light. And I remember a guy we came over, opened the door, and just passed out drunk and fell into the into the minibus. And then we we like brought him in, and he was kind of didn't know where he was. And we shut the door. And I remember just driving. Probably shouldn't be telling this. And I remember just driving like for ages. And he was like partying, and then he kind of got out like later down the road. And I remember just thinking, is this, I bet because he thought it was a cab. I remember him just thinking he's probably <laughs> going to think he's probably going to think it was a dream. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. I mean, yeah, Ramby. So Ramby, there's a couple of times Ramby's. Uh, he, yeah, he was an absolute beauty. He's, um, he, yeah, he was. There was a good few years with with them two that were were funny. There's a lot of stories I probably can't tell because <laughs> yeah, lots of people. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got this question from a lot of people, but the first one went went to Charlie, and she asked, "Are you ever going to come back?" Oh. Uh, not, not, uh, uh, yeah, it's, um, um, it's not on my, um, sorry, my kids just come sat on my lap as if to say, <laughs> no, you're not, because weekends we do stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, I never, I would never say never, like, like I say, you know, I, um, I didn't play one year because I was shooting something in South America and I, uh, but when I come back, as soon as I got back to the UK, I was had itchy feet with it again, and I've got it now. And I'm kind of, I am, I've just moved house really. So, well, I moved house last year. I moved to um, Hertfordshire, and it's. Uh, I'm googling which is the closest rink, and I think it's Milton Keynes. So yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, I've, I've got yeah, one final but... one for you because I'm aware I've taken up a lot of your time this evening, and you've got responsibilities yeah. and young children and whatnot. Um, no, you're fine, man. Elliot Dervish, who I'm sure is probably uh, a former teammate and definitely a former opponent down the years. Yeah, I don't think I want to know this question, whatever else he's saying. What did you get Matty Turner as a wedding present? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't say. I can't say. Yeah, one second. I can't say. I'm sorry, Ben. That that is definitely not PG for the audience. Um, well, as soon as we finish recording, you'll have to tell me. <laughs> okay. I know it's on his mantelpiece. <laughs> I might. I might think it might be some sort of mold. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is a mold. Oh, you're right. I would yeah. You can probably leave people's imaginations to run wild with that one, mate. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a cast of my arm when I when I heard it one one year. I signed <laughs> it for him. Uh, James Aylin, thank you so much for joining me on Zero Pucks Given. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and talk to you about everything you do in hockey and hockey. Your um, cheers, cheers, Ben. Just, just right on there. 
Yeah, um, right on the uh, time of the kids screaming. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> You're one of the busiest men in the UK, so it's uh, <laughs> we'll leave you to the rest of your evening. All right, nice one, Ben. Appreciate it. Thank you, James. Cheers, mate. Bye now. A massive thank you to James Ayling for giving up so much of his time this evening. Uh, as I, I said in here, and I said to James personally, he is the busiest man in the UK. I'm not quite sure how he, uh, with all of his filming, his family, and something we didn't even touch on, he's opened a bar in Tring as well now. So, yeah, incredibly busy. Fixtures for the coming weekend then. Obviously, Chieftains are done with the league. Uh, they will next be in action in the Britain Cup final. Home and away legs against the Invicta Dynamos. We are down at Planet Ice in Gillingham on Saturday, March the 25th. I believe that tickets are still available off of the Planet Ice platform. Uh, Sunday, the home game, March 26th. I do believe, I will double check and then confirm on social media, I do believe it is already sold out. So we'll be looking for an incredibly rocking barn that night and hopefully the tie is still alive uh, for both teams' sake to make it actually a more, more incredible final. So no game for the Chieftains this coming weekend. They have a weekend off. Uh, the Warriors, however, actually travel to Invicta themselves to play the Mustangs on Saturday the 18th. And on the Sunday, a Mother's Day special as Chelmsford's women hockey teams all come together on the same day. The under-16s Rattlesnakes take on the Ice Bees at 12.20. The Pythons take on the Coventry Phoenix at 4.55. And at 6.30, the Cobras. What a massive game this is for them against the Whitley Bay Beacons. Probably the best team in their league. So that will be an incredible battle. An incredible afternoon of ladies hockey. And it's all for free. I don't think you can say much better than that. So we will look forward to the rest of the games in the NIHL 1 South next weekend as it will, of course, confirm where we finish in the league and who we play in the playoffs. The likelihood at the moment is it's either going to be in Victor or Slough, of course, dependent on the results. Uh, I would imagine most of us are probably sick of the sight of Invicta, so we don't really want to see them again. But some Slough fans don't want to see us again either because they would do anything to avoid being Bartletted again. Thanks for joining me this week, guys. Next week's episode, I'll give you some more details about coming up shortly, but I'll look forward to seeing you then. Thanks. This podcast is hosted by Anchor on Spotify. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast outlets. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to get notifications about new episodes. Follow us on social media, Instagram at Zero Pucks Given Podcast, Twitter at Zero Pucks Pod, YouTube at Zero Pucks Given, email Zero Pucks Given Podcast at gmail.com. The music in this podcast is taken from Spotify and I do not own the tracks. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.